And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Well, if you get your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be reading and looking at verses 9 through 11. Last week we looked at the unbelieving mind, and and this week is more centered on believers. It kind of talks about us a little bit, thank goodness. Um, I I want to uh, just just let you guys know, I think I said last week, I could be wrong, that Joshua Barella was going to be here today. It did not work out. He is coming next week. How many know Joshua? It's going to be a few of you, yeah. Uh, he, they just got back home after three years and nine months in India. He and Bernice and their five children, they're, they're missionaries to India. And because of COVID, uh, they, they're, back, they're, they're back home now. And they actually live over off of Highway 20. That is their uh, place they come when they come back to the States. So we're having him next week, and he's going to bring the Word and just share with us what God is doing over there. We'll let you know about that. Also, we got another treat next week, Lord willing. Brother Kent is going to bring in us, be singing a special for us. I just wanted to put you on the spot and make you feel good about that, you know. He just went, <laughs> not too sure about that, Brother Dave. No, uh, I can vouch for him. Uh, he's good. <laughs> yeah, you're going to enjoy it next week, I promise. All right, uh, what I say? Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. All right, if you would just stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Again, Romans 8, beginning in verse 9. This is what Paul says. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh, once again, we come before your presence just to bow the knee and to, to say that we love you and to thank you for all of your goodness, to thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, it is so enlightening. God, it teaches us. It, it, it changes us from the inside out. And we give you praise and glory for that. And we ask that that would be the outcome this morning, that, Father, you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand these truths uh, that belong to us because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit, because of what you have done on our behalf. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the most important uh, question that you need to answer is this, do I belong to Christ? Do I belong to Christ? If you belong to Christ, all of God's promises are yes to you in Him. If you, are, if you belong to Christ, you are reconciled to God, your sins are all forgiven, you can enjoy fellowship with Him day after day after day, and uh, you know that if you were to die today, for whatever reason, you would be with the Lord in the glory of heaven forever. So do you belong to Christ? Now you may say, yes, I invited Jesus into my heart uh, at VBS when I was a child. Well, I'm glad to hear that, but do you belong to Christ? 
yes, I prayed the sinner's prayer after a campus worker shared the four spiritual laws with me in college. Well, that's fine, but do you belong to Christ? Well, yes, the worker told me that if I prayed that prayer, I could be assured that I'm going to heaven. Well, really, where does the Bible say that praying a prayer will get you into heaven? You need to be sure that you belong to Christ based on what the Bible says. Now, one of Paul's main reasons for writing chapter 8 in Romans was to give assurance to us who believe in Jesus Christ that we belong to Him for both time and eternity. Now, he begins with the most wonderful statement imaginable. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? It just doesn't get any better than that if you belong to Christ. And then he explains, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The new life that the Holy Spirit imparts frees you from the condemnation that resulted from your sin. Now Jesus, God's eternal Son, He bore the penalty that the law demanded so that its requirements of perfect righteousness are met in Him. Now that's verses 3 and 4a. And this is what Paul earlier has called justification, being made right with God. And then Paul describes those who have been justified in 4b. He says, For they do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now he goes on to describe this contrast even further. He says, Those who have not been justified are according to the flesh. That's verse 5. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Whereas those who have been justified are according to the Spirit. And of course, they set things on the mind. Uh, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, he explains further why this is so in verse 6. He says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Those who have not been justified are in a state of spiritual death or total separation from God. Those who have been justified, they enjoy new life and peace with God. Then in verses 7 and 8, he explains further the unbelieving mind which is set on the flesh. He says, it is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, we talked about this a good bit last week. This is talking about an inability. It's not that they just don't want to. They cannot. Those in the flesh are spiritually incapable even of trusting in Christ for salvation because of their innate rebellion against Him. For them to be saved, God's Spirit must raise them from spiritual death to life. Now Paul turns to those who have experienced the new birth. And he explains in verse 9, You, however, you know, if you belong to Christ, put yourself in here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who, he goes on, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God or Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But perhaps you're concerned, maybe for a loved one who died, or you're troubled over the inevitable fact that you are going to die one day. Does this mean that you do not have life in Christ? Well, no. Paul goes on to explain in verse 10 that although your physical body will die, the Spirit has given you life because you are righteous in Christ. 
And although your body will die, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, He will one day resurrect your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's verse 11. But all of this that I've just talked about depends on this one matter. Do you belong to Christ? Now the main point this morning is, if God's Spirit dwells in you, you you belong to Christ. And though your physical body will die, God will raise your body from the dead. When we trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, we changed realms from living according to the flesh to living according to the Spirit. Now, we used to be in the flesh, living under its ruling influence. Now we live in the Spirit, under His rule, and the Spirit now lives in us. So, our first major point here, you are in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in you, which is a mark of everyone who belongs to Christ. Now, this is verse 9. Charles Spurgeon says verse 9 is one of the most solemn texts in the whole Bible. He says it's so sweeping, it deals with us all, and it deals with the most important point about us. For to belong to Christ is the most essential thing for time and eternity, end quote. Thus, A, it is absolutely vital to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, because if you do not, then you do not belong to Christ. As we've seen, Paul divides people into just two categories, those who are in the flesh and those who are in the Spirit. There is no category for the so-called carnal Christian who claims that Jesus is their Savior, but really not their Lord. Now, the process of bringing every area of life under the Lordship of Christ is lifelong, and we never fully get there But every true Christian is involved in that process to some degree. Now, if the direction of your life is not Jesus, you are my Lord, and I submit all of myself that I'm aware of to you, then you're not a Christian in the most vital sense of the word. You're actually in the flesh, hostile toward God, and not subject to His word. Being a Christian is not a matter of going to church or believing certain doctrines of the Christian faith, or trying to live by certain moral standards. Now, of course, true Christians do all of those things, but the vital thing is that the Holy Spirit has caused you to be born again. Jesus said this very plainly to Nicodemus. Do you remember Nicodemus? He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. Talk about going to church. This man went to the temple to pray seven several times a day. He never, never skipped a religious observance to go hunting or fishing. Talk about believing in certain doctrines. He had memorized large portions of the Hebrew Scriptures. Talk about morality. This man was scrupulous when it came to keeping the Ten Commandments. But do you remember Jesus' opening words to him? <laughs> truly, truly. When Jesus says, truly, truly, you take notice. All right? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He went on to say in verse 7, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Peter picks up on this in chapter 1, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be what? 
to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So when we are born again, the Holy Spirit imparts new life to us and takes up residence in us. That means it's a matter of spiritual life or death to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you or not. Now Romans 8-9 makes it clear that if you have been born again, then you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. He states it negatively in in verse 9, the second half. He says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So think about the opposite there. If you have the Spirit, you do belong to Christ. In, In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul also combines the idea of the indwelling Spirit of God and belonging to Christ. Here's what he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, I can't help but think that the church would be a very different place if everyone would live daily with the reality of that truth. I am not my own. I belong to Christ. My tongue is not my own to use to yell at my family or my coworkers or my teammates when I'm upset. I must use it to glorify Christ. My eyes are not my own to look lustfully at women. I must use them to glorify Christ. My money is not my own to do with as I please. I must use it to glorify Christ. My time is not my own to squander uh, on frivolous pursuits. I need to use it to serve and glorify Christ. This really is a life-transforming principle. And the mark of being a Christian is the Spirit dwells in you, dwells in you, and you now belong to Christ. You've been bought with a price. Now I want you to notice here how Paul interchanges terms in these verses. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus in verse 2 because He imparts new life to us in Christ. In verse 9, He's called the Spirit of God, indicating that He is God and that He carries out God's purposes. He's called the Spirit of Christ because Christ sent Him to the church when He returned to the Father. John 16, 14 says that His role of the Spirit is to glorify Christ. When He was on the earth, Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's also called the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead in verse 11. And that's to emphasize that if He dwells in us, God will resurrect our bodies through the Spirit. Now also, Paul moves very easily from the Spirit dwelling in us to Christ dwelling in us. Douglas Moo explains, he says, What this means is not that Christ and the Spirit are equated or interchangeable. It means that Christ and the Spirit are so closely related in communicating to believers the benefits of salvation that Paul can move from one to the other almost unconsciously. Now, Thomas Schreiner, he points out that his texts like these that provided the raw materials from which the church later hammered out the doctrine of the Trinity. You're going to see verses say, God in you, Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you. A lot of other ways as well. 
So it is absolutely vital to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you because if you do not, Paul says, then you do not belong to Christ. Here's, a, here's another question. How can you know whether or not the Spirit dwells in you? Well, B, there are distinguishing marks by which you can tell if the Spirit dwells in you. Now, after speaking to Nicodemus about this new birth, about being born again, Jesus drew an analogy between the effects of the wind wind, and the effects of the Holy Spirit. We can't see the wind, but we can see it, its effects. If a piece of paper comes uh, blowing across in front of us, we don't think it's doing it by its own power like a bird. We understand the wind is driving it even though we cannot see it. Well, so it is with the Spirit. You can't, you can't see the Spirit, but you can sure see His effects. In Romans 8, Paul shows a number of things that the Spirit actually does. In verse 2, He sets you free from the law of sin and death. He gives new life and peace with God. That's verse 6. The Spirit will raise your mortal bodies. What, what does mortal mean? They die. <laughs> Not immortal, mortal. He's going to raise your mortal bodies. He enables us to kill our sin. That's verse 13. He testi testifies to us that we are God's children. That's why we can call out, Abba, Father. That's verse 16. And He helps us to, to pray. That's verse 26. And by way of implied contrast, verses 7 and 8, in 7 and 8, the Spirit reconciles us to God. He enables us to submit to His Word and to please Him, something that those in the flesh cannot do. Now, I've got a list here, and I can't comment much about it, and obviously it's not comprehensive. You're going to come up with more of, on your own, and that, that's great. But I've got one negative and nine positive marks by which you can tell if the Spirit dwells in you. Now, first, the negative. Speaking in tongues is not the, the sign that the Spirit dwells in you. Now, the reason I bring this up is because most Pentecostal denominations claim that speaking in tongues is the sign that you are dwelt by the Spirit of God or indwelt by the Spirit of God. But you know, that is contrary to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12.30 where he says that all do not have the gift of tongues, do they? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. So I'm not going to make a big point of that. I just, just wanted to bring that out. Number two, the rest of these are kind of positive things that we can look for. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you have experienced the new birth. You have been born again. You may not remember the exact time or date, but you know that the Spirit of God has changed your heart from being a God-hater to a God-lover. He changed you from trusting in your own good works to trusting in Christ alone. Number three, if the Spirit dwells in you, you are drawn to Jesus Christ. You desire to know and to honor Him. Listen to Paul. This is a part of a prayer there in Ephesians 3. He says, "...that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith." 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Well, number four, if the Spirit dwells in you, you have been flooded with God's love so that you actually hope in Him. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So if you've been born again, if you belong to Christ, there's going to be that hope deep inside of you. Five, if the Spirit dwells in you, you regard Scripture as His word of truth and you are growing to understand it. Jesus called Him the Spirit of Truth in in John 14 and 15. He inspired the writers of Scripture. He helps us understand the many riches that God has given us through His written Word. Number six, if the Spirit dwells in you, His fruit is growing in your life, and the deeds of the flesh, they're diminishing. This is just a process of sanctification. How many know, I've talked to some farmers recently, how many know that fruit takes time? Yeah, I see several hands, I wasn't calling them that. Yeah, it does. But it should be evident that you're growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Number seven, If the Spirit dwells in you, you will have a growing hatred of sin and a love of holiness. After all, isn't He called the Holy Spirit? He works to make us holy, to be set apart from this evil world, and it all begins on the thought level. Number eight, if the Spirit dwells in you, you will be growing in praise and joy and thankfulness towards God. Number nine, if the Spirit dwells in you, you'll be growing in prayer. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Well, number ten, if the Spirit dwells in you, you will tell others about Christ. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The book of Acts, that's the story of the early church bearing witness of Christ in the resurrection through the Spirit's power. So the point of verse 9 is if you belong to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. But He is the Spirit of life. If He is the Spirit of life, then why do believers die? This is verse 9. Number 2, we who are in the Spirit are still subject to physical death, even though the Spirit has given us life. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now by body, Paul is talking about our physical bodies. He says they are dead because of sin. That means that our bodies are still under the curse of death as a result of the fall. We all die physically because Adam sinned. Death remains as the penalty on the human race until Christ's work 
It's consummated. Remember in 1 Corinthians, he tells us that the last um, enemy to be overcome is death. Now, commentators and translators, they're a little divided over whether spirit here, the word spirit, refers to the human spirit, which is how the NASB translates it, or the, e- or, or the Holy Spirit, which is how the ESV translates it. The original Greek doesn't use capital letters. It's kind of difficult to decide because there are some good arguments for both. Uh, it, if it refers to the human spirit, the sense is your spirit is alive because you were righteous in Christ. This seems to complement the contrast with the dead human body. But you know what? The, Paul, the word that Paul uses is not alive. It is life. It's zoe. It's spiritual life. I think this fits better with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life. The sense would be then, as Thomas Schreiner explains, the presence of the Spirit demonstrates that believers will not be saddled with their weak and corruptible bodies forever. You remember the end of chapter 7? Who will deliver me from this body of death? (laughs) The Spirit is a life-giving Spirit and will overcome death through the resurrection of the body. Now, the reason that the Spirit is life to us is that we are righteousness in Christ through that justification. Well, number three, we who are in the Spirit have the promise that He who raised Jesus from the dead will also resurrect our mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in us. The instant we die physically, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. While our body, it begins to what? To decay, to decompose. But the instant Jesus returns... God will give us new resurrection bodies. They're going to be suited for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. And Jesus, I don't know if I want to call him the prototype. That usually means it's still under you know, research and development. No, but he, he, he's, he's our model. His resurrection body is a physical body, but it is not subject to disease or death. The God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise our bodies from the grave at the moment that Jesus returns. And and I used to think about this, and I was going, this is going to be incredible. It doesn't matter if a person was burned at a stake, and there's nothing left, or if you get cremated, if there's ashes. It doesn't matter if you died at sea and were eaten by sharks. That's okay. Or if you were blown to bits by an explosion. Or simply decomposed in a grave. God will rescue those bodies in a recognizable but new, indestructible body. And so we will always be with the Lord. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen says, If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Now this is at the end of kind of a... He, he throws something out and he says, uh, If there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our, our faith is hopeless, it's futile. And he says our preaching is futile. Then he says if we have hoped in, in, in this life only, in the, in the here and now, we hoped in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. Now that's, that's a pretty jarring verse. Ask yourself, is it true of me? Can I say that if there is no heaven that I should feel sorry for the really dumb way I've been living my life. 
Now, we live in America. We enjoy a fairly comfortable lifestyle. I had a wonderful wife, three great kids. I enjoy fishing and golf and photography. But this verse suggests that my focus, it actually should be a little bit more on heaven. All those things that I just talked about, they're great. They're blessings to me. God has, has given them to me. But they're temporal. They're temporal. They're only temporary. Without Christ, life is grim. Life is futile. How many have ever seen the bumper sticker says, life is tough and then you die? You, you, you giggle and what have you. If you're not in Christ, that's exactly what's going to happen. And it doesn't matter if you live to be a hundred, so what? But if you belong to Christ, you have the certain hope that the God who raised Jesus from the dead will raise you through His Spirit who indwells you. Well, near the end of his life, D.L. Moody said, Soon you will read in the newspaper that I am dead. Don't believe it for a moment. I will be more alive than ever before. So I can't urge you strongly enough to make sure that you can answer yes to this question. Do you belong to Christ? Let's pray. Father, uh, that is such an important question to get right. Now, not only to know the answer, Father, but to have it be true of us. So I pray that there's any, anybody in here that does not belong to Christ, that you would open your, their eyes to see Jesus for who He really is, the Son of God who came, Father, for their sin, to die on the cross, that they might belong to Him and therefore have eternal life. Do that for Your honor, for Your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're out there this morning and you're not sure that you belong to Christ, assurance or, or lack of assurance, man, that, that can make you nutty. All right, You need to know whether or not you belong to Christ. And that's, that, that really is between you and God. Have you ever submitted to God wholeheartedly? Have you ever asked Him to forgive you of your sins? He is the one you have offended. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Trust what Jesus did on the cross. That means laying aside any and everything that you could bring to God and say, Here, because of this, save me. Man, we are built that way. That is not God's way. God's way is Christ. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you haven't come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then you do not belong to Him. And none of the promises in Scriptures are yours for the beloved. There are promises concerning you, but they're not good. I encourage you this morning, come and share it with me. If you, don't, if you don't know, come and talk to me. We'll spend some time in God's Word. Just do that. Just don't leave here wondering, do I belong to Christ or not? If you belong to Christ, that means if you're a believer, you, you, you know that for a fact. Man, these verses this morning are quite encouraging. Now, last week, we, we, we laid to rest Becky's mom, uh, Miss Sue. The testimony was so simple because it was obvious. She loved the Lord. She served the Lord with her life. Now, in the time of grief, I, I know that that doesn't overcome that grief, but it should a little bit to understand 
while we were while we were sitting there and she was in the casket and we were looking at her before they closed and what have you, and you think, oh, poor Miss Sue. No, not poor Miss Sue. Just like D.L. Moody, you're going to read in the newspaper in a few days or in a few weeks or whatever that I have died. Don't believe it for a moment. I am better than I've ever been. I promise you, Miss Sue, right now, is better than she has ever been in her entire life. It doesn't matter what's coming against you from this world, from any source, if you can say, yes, I belong to Christ. That's your trump card. And I'm not talking about Donald. I'm talking about, you know, the one that goes above everything else. Is I belong to Christ. Praise God for that. What did, what did Jesus tell the disciples? They came back, oh, we were healing people and casting out demons. And he goes, oh, don't be happy about that. He says, just rejoice in the fact that your names are written in heaven. Look to the end game, y'all. It can get tough here. If you belong to Christ, it's going to be okay. Trust Him. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.